0: I'm Sylvia Burgos-Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. And more and more people, in fact, are seeking out not only the, the interesting and varied flavors of sourdough bread, but they're taking a look at how differently bodies their bodies might react mm-hmm. to it. And by sourdough, we should, uh, there's probably people listening who don't know what that is. Right. Well, when we buy a a, a loaf of bread in the store, and what I mean by a loaf of bread in the store, I mean a conventional loaf. Mm -hmm. uh, It's usually made with a lot of uh, commercial yeast in it. When you combine yeast, water, and flour, the yeast... Uh, reacts with both the water and the starches mm-hmm. and eventually the sugars of the flour. Um, and they feed on that. And what they produce in that dough it, are gases
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, alcohol. And the gases is what makes the dough rise. Sure. Now in sourdough, you have a whole different kind of operation going on. And what I'd like is actually to call on the special guest that we have this morning, Therese Asmus, to help us understand what sourdough is and also to um, help her uh, explain to us why she not only bakes sourdough, but looks to using ancient grains to do so. Good morning, Therese. How are you? good morning very well how are you good good and teresa asmus is a sourdough breaker and a homesteader she and her husband in 2012 um, acquired 19 acres in minnesota where they've been able to develop and um realize their their dedication to not only great food in the way of breads but also vegetables free-range chickens and uh, a look to how things begin by regenerating their soil. So, Therese, this is terrific to have you here because it was at that meeting of those like-minded people at the Weston A. Price Foundation uh, monthly meeting in St. Paul that we met one another.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was so exciting to meet you. I think it's, like you, it's neat to bring in other people like-minded and see the group grow and um, other people share their experiences and their understanding of all the different foods that we've kind of put by the wayside and not thought were nearly as important as they are.
0: Right. Well, Therese, you have been a baker how long?
1: Um, a long time. I've been a sourdough baker for about almost 10 years now.
0: All right, why the focus on sourdough? And can you describe, as Dave Corbett asked, how is sourdough baking and the yeast used there different from the more commercial variety?
1: Sure. You're using a sourdough culture um, and you're fermenting your bread versus rising it with uh, a baker's yeast. And when you ferment that uh, in the same way that you have gases that are created in a normal bread loaf, that's carbon dioxide that's created. You have that, but you also have lactobacilli bacteria that are created as well. And those bacteria help break down gluten, starches. uh, They break down the phytic acid. And overall, creating a grain that's more easily digested um, for our bodies. And it also makes a lot of the micronutrients more available so that it can be a very healthy item as well. Oh, I was going to say, so we started it ourselves um, because of food allergies in our family. We were huge. I'm a huge bread lover, grain lover, and was having uh, what I found out were cysts on my ovaries, and they were incredibly painful. Mm. And then uh, a naturopath told me I needed to avoid wheat. That lasted a couple of weeks. (laughs) I (laughs) went back to my pasta-loving, bread-loving person, Um, and so I brought that back in. However... Then we had our first child, and he showed at an early age, around 18 months, that he was having real issues with weed as well, getting hives all over his body, Mm. and also um, getting very angry, irrational, and I think that that was actually what people noticed first when we were trying to say to him that we think weed's a problem, because on on a moment, he would just turn from this happy child, and you'd give him a cracker. And he'd be on the floor crying, tantrum, um, wanting to hit somebody, things of that nature, which is pretty um, hard to see in a little kid like that. And so we knew that wheat needed to come out of our diet. Um, But because I'm persistent and because I was introduced to some information, actually from the Weston Price Foundation, about soaking grains and fermenting them, um, I decided to go ahead and give it a try doing sourdough bread. And what I found was not only he, but, um, but I could also then enjoy bread like we had not been able to before. And since then, we've never had any issues um, going on to those fermented grains, and all the more so with the ancient grains, which just brought a whole other level further down the line when I started studying that part of it.
0: All right. So let me just walk backwards a little bit here, Therese, if you don't mind. I mentioned it uh, you know, a few minutes ago that when uh, most people – make bread. Um, they use flour, water, at least these basic ingredients, flour, water, and this baker's yeast, these little grains. Um, yeah. They're either um, called a active dry yeast or it might be an instant yeast. And you add that to the water and to the flour, and that's how you get those that carbon dioxide and alcohol produced for the rise in the bread. The difference in the sourdough, if, if and you can correct me on this, Therese, because you've got a whole lot more experience than I do in this. What you've done, and it's so interesting, it's, it's like a, an experiment in your house constantly. Um, what you're doing is actually combining flour and water. And what happens is that the wild yeast that exists in air is captured by that water-flour mixture, and it inoculates that slurry of flour and water to create a yeast, a natural yeast, that rises not only that starter, that, and that, that's a process that can take about uh, a week to, to 14 days to get that first starter going, Mm-hmm. But that starter can then be used to ferment, inoculate your bread baking on after that because you keep on refreshing that starter so that it becomes your yeast mix you're going forward. But there's an important thing that you mentioned that that uh, is kind of critical in people's understanding, and it, maybe it's worth repeating, Therese, is that when you add that starter to your flour and water uh, to make dough, it's not only activating yeast, but there are bacteria in there. And that this process is called fermentation, which has a very, very different action on the flour. Again, what what does it do differently than that commercial rise?
1: Yeah, that's that lactobacilli uh, bacteria. It just It's um, an amazing type of bacteria that's used in a variety of types of fermentation, uh, not just found in bread, but sauerkraut and things along that line as well. And it's just breaking down that phytic acid. It's breaking down your starches. The yeast also breaks down uh, the starches too. Um, and it makes those micronutrients that... Uh, wouldn't necessarily be available or digestible or used by our body available. And so um, and then it also breaks down gluten as well. And I mean right now that's kind of the big thing that people are very concerned about their gluten intake and wanting to avoid it. But when you use them, these fermented uh, fermenting process with a sourdough culture, um, it does it takes care of that to the point that if you continue, to ferment a bread long enough, you can actually rid it of gluten completely. You're not going to have necessarily a, a beautiful loaf that's uh, open and light tasting. You'll have a delicious, very sour loaf. But it can that that bacteria does have the ability to actually uh, rid all of the gluten out of bread.
0: You know that's an amazing thing to learn, because that fermentation process, as you said, um, is used to increase the amount of nutrients available in a food, in so many things. Um, so if, if you take a look at naturally fermented pickles, the sauerkraut, um, if you even put your, uh, let's say you're making oatmeal, even if you take your oatmeal and you soak it in water for several hours or overnight before making the actual oatmeal, you will have begun a fermentation process that will break down some of those obstacles to nutrition absorption and increase what's available to you so i did not know that that fermentation process that use of sourdough could actually have that dramatic an impact on the gluten content in a loaf of bread
1: yeah and it's neat too because with it being able to break down the starches in the process this can help people with diabetes issues who have or um hyper or hypoglycemia uh, where bread really can um, shift their sugar level when they eat it they don't find that 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 happens when the bread is properly soured and that's actually something I've struggled with in the past myself is having uh, hyperglycemia and you don't your sugar just doesn't bounce all over because as it breaks down those starches uh, your sugar level can stay more level as you eat the grain
0: Wow. You know, this is this is um, wonderful new information to get, so thank you very much, Therese, because you're not only baking um, in a way that many people can benefit from, but you're really kind of sharing information that w- will help all of us understand more of why we react sometimes the way that we do to the foods that we purchase and how there might be some um, solutions within yeah. reach. Within reach. Now you focus on sourdough because those were the health benefits that you found could help your your family, you and your Correct. and your children. What is what about the taste profile? What have you kind of discovered about um, how sourdough changes or enhances f- the flavor in your baked goods?
1: Yeah, I mean it does. It gives this natural sourd flavor. However, uh, I think what people I've Encountered people who don't even want to try bread because they're, oh, I don't want sour bread. And what I try to encourage them is that it's not not all bread is soured in the same way first. Mm-hmm. And so there's all different levels of sourness. There's all different types of techniques that bring out uh, the level of sourness that's desired by the baker. Um, and then also combined with a certain type of flour, the sourness will be less. And so it overall, though, just gives a full uh, palate flavor. I mean, it just, Um, it's not one-dimensional like white bread would be, but three-dimensional. And you can really enjoy it for the bread itself versus all the things that you need to put on top of it.
0: But that's an awfully good point. Um, I know I'm a sourdough uh, baker myself on on a home level and and teach it as well and one of the things that i found uh is just as you said you can sour things to different levels and it really does depend on the technique that you you use both for the starter and for the dough that you create my husband does not like sour breads and so i tend to focus on a mild french sourdough that's also fermented a long time but i always use a very fresh starter in order to create it, and that's what helps to keep the bread sweet-tasting.
1: Yeah, there's so many nuances. Um, I was just teaching a class this week, and, uh, you know, I think people get a little overwhelmed with sometimes how many things you can adjust and have flexibility with in baking sourdough bread. It's, um, it's like an art form, and it's a wonderful art form that you can have a great deal of creativity with and um, explore so many ways of doing it and explore so many flavor profiles when doing it to achieve the bread that's perfect for your family and your taste buds and is satisfying to you.
0: Before we get into the ancient grains that that you have tended to uh, focus on and and understand, Therese, I thought maybe um, we could talk a little bit about the fact that in the U.S. right now, there are six common kinds of flour that are used. And uh, they include durum, which is the very hard and very high protein uh, flour that's not used in a lot of baking, um, but um, which more and more people are becoming familiar with because it, it offers fantastic flavor. Then there's hard red spring wheat, hard red winter wheat, soft red wheat, hard white wheat, and soft white wheat and these kinds of wheat may not mean most may not mean a lot to a lot of people but they really do talk about when the uh, what time of year the wheat is grown and what the protein levels might be interestingly enough though it also says something about the genetics of the wheat especially when you get into the ancient grains because the genetic makeup of our common wheat and the ancient grains that Therese focuses on are different. Can you tell us the kinds of ancient grains you have kind of worked with?
1: Yeah, I use um, four different ones. Um, the oldest being einkorn. And then we use camut, which is a corazon wheat. The camut is just a trademark name for that specific type of wheat. And it just gives standards for how that and wheat is grown. There's also emmer and then spelt.
0: Right. And when I take a look at some of the information that I have about these different kinds of wheat, they do have different chromosomal makeups, which I don't know, they may have an impact on how people react to them.
1: Yeah, that's what I've continued to research. Um, It's hard to find some of the science behind that, but when you kind of look at some of the chain reactions, Behind these grains, there must be something specifically in relationship to the chromosome differences. Uh, with the einkorn, that's considered like a diploid wheat, and it has 14 chromosomes. It's the only wheat that's like that. All other wheats come from einkorn. It was the one first uh, grown by man and harvested by man over in Mesopotamia, and um, everything else migrated from there. And what's interesting is that wheat, a lot of people think that it's, there's a lot of misinformation about it. They think that it's lower in gluten. It actually is not. It can be higher in gluten than regular wheat. Uh, but the two proteins that are in it that create the gluten, one of them is partially missing. So what it does is it creates a weak gluten, and it makes it more digestible and easier for people who have wheat allergies to eat it. Um, but it also has a lot more micronutrients in it, um, more B vitamins in it. And more than even all that, what's beautiful about it is it's always been grown organically. It's made for organic practices. It would not do well under our current system of spraying our crops like crazy and using machines and mass production. Um, and that's wonderful because it can ebb and flow with the environment more. And it, it can be resistant to the bugs that are out there mm. and not be harmed in the same way that our, our modern wheat is by all the things that we do to it.
0: Now, you also use Khorasan, which is the, the Kamut is the brand name that's currently available of Khorasan. Um how, how do these different uh, wheats um, affect how you bake with them? Is, do they pose kind of challenges? Or are there things that you needed Thanks. to learn?
1: They do. Um, I, they're very challenging when you first start out. Uh, when I started with them nine years ago, there was very little information about the different weeds. and still to this day, a lot of people will say you can use them and interchange them in recipes without um, any issue, and it's it's just not accurate. Um, I use Korzan or Kamut primarily. It's got b- wonderful flavor. It's a Durham style wheat. It's just it's a delicious tasting grain, but also it's one of the easiest available in the United States right now, or at least it has been mm-hmm. for uh, for my type of baking. Um, it uh, it's a different chromosome. It's an, a different chromosome than um, the einkorn. It's related to emmer, um, and so there's the gluten content a little bit different in it, and it's a really grain. So when, that, when you've got that, when you're cooking with whole grains and you've got your um, bran on the outside still, that absorbs a lot of water. And so what you have to learn is how much water to add to these grains that will make a nice bread. And I think that that's one of the trickiest things for people to learn in the beginning because something like einkorn is actually just the opposite. It, it has a very high protein level in it. And because of that, it doesn't absorb as much water. And it doesn't absorb that in the same way. And so you could go and make the exact same recipe with einkorn or kamut, and one bread would be um, flowing all over your counter with the einkorn, And the other one would be a stiff ball uh, Mm. just because of how the water absorption is significantly different between the two.
0: When uh, we were at the Weston Price meeting last week, one of the things I noticed um, in your display of product is just how beautiful it is and also how varied. I was amazed by the different types of bread you make as well as crackers and pastries. Do you tend to depend solely on ancient grains for all of this, or, or are you using other kinds of wheat as well?
1: No, I 100% use ancient grains. Um, because of their digestibility, I do, I've do. i had a lot of people come to me not able, even after sour, souring the grain, they cannot eat standard uh, regular wheat. And so I also know that for myself the nutrients is higher in these ancient grains And um, I've just seen how much better our own family does with it. And my feeling is, is I'm not going to feed anyone else something that I don't want to feed my family. Um, And so everything I make is with 100% ancient grains. And it actually used to be 100% whole ancient grains. I just started doing a little bit of um, white flour, ancient white flour that's just been sifted out. Just a little bit. First, a couple of things, just to give people some variety. But it's pretty amazing to see how people, if they muscle test or things like that, how everyone has different reactions to different grains. It's not that everyone can eat every single type of ancient grain. Some can eat einkorn, some can eat spelt, others emmer. Um, And so I do that um, diverse selection so that a whole variety of people are able to get the bread that they want and that their body feels good after eating it. I was wondering, uh, Teresa, do you... Uh, Are you buying grain and milling it, or is this available as a flour already? You can get it as a flour. I I always milled my own flour up until, oh, six to eight months ago, and we just surpassed what I could mill. It was taking me three or four days to mill enough flour uh, for each bake, which was a little tedious. (laughs) Um, But, yes, you can get these grains milled now. And two of my favorite places to get them, I get my einkorn from Jovial Foods. I think that they have a lot of integrity behind their company. They are the largest producer of einkorn out of Italy, um, and they know their grain very, very, very well. And they also come from it from a perspective that they had wheat intolerance issues with one of their children in that family. And so uh, they're a real proponent for sourdough and soaking it and having it grown in a way that's the most nutritious. And then you can get my favorite place to get My camut and my spell is Montana flour and grain. And that's getting it directly from the mill. That way it's extremely fresh when it does come. And um, that which is really important that if you're not grinding your own flour, you need fresh flour. Um, It goes rancid. These whole grains go rancid very quickly. And a lot of flour is rancid when it sits on the grocery store shelves. And that's just not, it's not, it doesn't have as much nutrients, but it's just not good for your body as well.
0: Has it become easier over time to find some of these grains? I would suspect that when you started, it must have been kind of hard to, to find a source.
1: There was nothing. That's why I started grinding it. Um, I actually it was kind of crazy. At the same time I started on this journey, I won a NutraMilk uh, grain grinder off of a website on a complete whim. Mm. And, um it's what opened up my whole door uh, to be able to do all of this. No one was grinding ancient grains at this point. The Western Price Organization was the only one that it was even saying anything about them, but even that information was very selective. Um, and so it wasn't until probably in the last two or three years that some of these grains were even available Um in the mass market and even in the last two years or so that I've seen it where you can really purchase them pre-ground and not have to grind them all yourself.
0: Well, I've certainly seen the interest in sourdough. Not, not uh, My own experience has been around sourdough grow tremendously. And one of the things that struck me um, when I met you last time and, and saw your beautiful array of breads is that your bread was flying off the table. I mean, people were just so eager that you were there and filling their, um, their bags. I mean, they, they see you as a source of, of bread that they need. And so have you seen that popularity of, of your product? You know, have you seen the demand go up?
1: We have seen it go up. It's taken time. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of fear out of the, out there about wheat grains. The, the gluten-free industry is a huge money-making industry, and there's a lot of misinformation put out there. And it's disappointing um, because this fear over these whole grains, these uh, wheats, is, is not based on the science that people put out there, and they kind of lump the ancient grains and the modern wheat all into the same category, and it's inaccurate to do that. Um, The gluten that's in these ancient grains is different, and the gluten structure anyways, is different, and the digestibility of them is different. And so I think what started happening is that people would come, and at first we weren't well-received, Uh, necessarily it was like oh what's the person bringing grains to this group you know Mm -hmm. um but as people tried it and uh found that they would go home and their stomach wasn't getting upset their gut wasn't hurting afterwards their sugar levels weren't spiking um they were just kind of in awe of the fact that all this information they had heard about wheat and that you shouldn't ever touch it was um not what they thought was true Mm -hmm. and then they saw especially with children um and that their children actually liked the sour flavor. Um, And from there, it it has definitely escalated um, a great deal. And I think that people continue to come back because we have integrity. Um, We're not putting the cheapest ingredients into our breads. I'm trying to do the best ingredients. Again, if it's not something that's worthy to feed my own family, it's not worthy to feed anyone else either.
0: Therese, how would people find out more about your breads and about the, the work that you're doing? Where can they go?
1: They can go to our website. We're in the process of building it up right now. We we actually took a break from bread baking while we had our youngest child this last year, and we're kind of ramping it back up. But that's um, Artista Homestead. It's A-R-T-I-S-T-T-A, and the word homestead.com. And there we're going to start building up uh, more information. You can find us on Facebook from there as well. Um, and we're going to hopefully here very soon have a, a lot more information up about the ancient grains and the things that we're studying on the chemistry of them and um, share that with more people.
0: One of the things I guess I might add is that if people are curious uh, about the research behind traditional diets, um, including the use of fats, the use of fermented foods, uh, how whole grains work into um, how you eat, uh, you may go to the Weston A. Price Foundation website, and that's W-E-S-T-O-N, the initial A, Price, P-R-I-C-E, Foundation, Um, because their uh, diet philosophies are based on sound research, on reams of sound research, and it's all available for uh, people to see and to inspect so that they can make good choices on what it is that you do. And it's really uh, exciting to hear, Therese, that you'll be putting more information on your website over some time so that people can better understand um, the truth about uh, the nutritional level, the nutritional quality, and also the dietary impact of sourdoughs and sourdoughs based on ancient grains. So again, can you give me your website?
1: Yeah, it's um, artista, A-R-T-I-S-T-T-A, homestead.com.
0: Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.